Hello. I'm Julian. I am Coach Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here once again to talk about Season 3 of Ted Lasso. This is Episode 6, which is called Sunflowers. And it's called Sunflowers because this whole episode is in Amsterdam, and sunflowers have something to do with Amsterdam. <laughs> I don't think so. I think more tulips is the flower I would associate with Amsterdam. But I guess the, the Van Gogh painting of sunflowers would be the the reasoning for the naming convention. Sure. I was confused. I'm a sunflower seed guy, but not a sunflower <laughs> guy. So... Mm. Tom, have you been to... Uh, let me rephrase. Your Honor, uh, let me rephrase. <laughs> Tom, how many times have you been to Amsterdam? I, unfortunately, have not visited Amsterdam. Actually, when I was a kid playing uh, youth soccer, we actually had a chance, if we would have won a specific tournament, to get sponsored by uh, a big... We'll just say, I'll get sponsored by Nike to be sent out to Amsterdam for another tournament. But we lost that final, so we did not get that opportunity. Yeah, you didn't deserve it. You didn't want it enough. Were you afraid nope. to drop the name Nike? Why were you afraid to drop the name <laughs> Nike? Is there something I'm unaware just... <laughs> of, or is it because that movie about Nike's coming out? Why? Why, Listen, why were you? Is Big Nike? Does Big Nike come after podcasters? <laughs> well, you've already said their name so many times. I mean, they don't they don't sponsor us, so I didn't want to give them you know free free publicity. Oh, okay. I'm like Lionel it. Coogan. I get it. Like Lionel Coogan's right. Um, I would like you to refer to me as Nike during the rest of these <laughs> podcasts. That shall be okay. my nickname. I've given it to myself. <laughs> this is a lot of banter. No uh, app, pun intended, at the top of an episode that is already well over an hour long. So uh, no more chit-chat, Tom. Let's dive into okay. this. I like the like the setup for this episode taking place in Amsterdam has like ties to the show's origin. So both Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis were apparently working with like an improv improv group called Boom Chicago that was stationed in Amsterdam. Sure. And I think that's where uh, Brendan Hunt kind of caught the soccer bug where just kind of saw all the locals there were just obsessed with it. So he started playing a lot of FIFA with Sudeikis and they didn't necessarily create the character of Ted Lasso when they were there in Amsterdam. But I think it was definitely kind of the the start of Brendan Hunt and, and Sudeikis's love for the sport. So it's kind of, kind of cool that they use this as a means to have a team player friendly and actually take the team there. Got it. Got it. That's interesting. When you say he played FIFA, you're talking about the board game where you manage a <laughs> corrupt soccer league and you like take bribes in order to put the World Cup in different countries. And <laughs> is that is that the FIFA you're talking about, the board game? Am I touching no, something? This is just a regular FIFA game that is popularized from EA Sports. The other game you're thinking of is FIFA Simulator. That's where you get to play as the the corrupt business guys oh that's right fifa simulator brought to you by nike i like to play <laughs> fifa simulator while i'm wearing my nike shoes and drinking my lionel coogans thank you ad break all right let's dive into this tom and i typically go through these episodes chronologically i think that's a word but this time we're going to focus on characters if you start listening to this and we don't follow that uh, path, it's because it didn't work and we abandoned it and had to re-record the whole thing. So <laughs> a little bit of mystery for those of you out there. 
But let's dive into this. In Amsterdam, the Dutch play. Am I correct, Tom? Mm-hmm. We play Ajax, which is a very famous Dutch team. And this is like a friendly exhibition. I don't know if this is a common thing, like in the middle of a season for them to play these types of friendlies, but it's usually for, you know, expanding your audience and, you know, allowing the players to, I guess, you know, get more more playing time. Got it. Like maybe okay. the lesser players, right? Maybe not the starters. So AFC Richmond plays Ajax, the famous warrior of Troy, Maybe I've got that right. I don't know. You said a word. I didn't know what it was, so I'm just going to say Ajax. Um, They show up to play. Thank you. Bless you. (laughs) They show up to play, and they score five touchdowns, and the AFC Richmond people score nil touchdowns, which (laughs) is not normal for a soccer match that's supposed to be friendly. Correct? I, I mean, friendlies are always kind of goofy, and I think uh, we get a little bit from Roy here in a bit where, I mean, these guys are not playing to the top of their level in most parts. And, like, again, they probably are not going to play a lot of their starters. Richmond, in their case, seemed like they were because they're probably trying to get out of the funk that they're in. But, yeah, they're still they're still struggling without uh, the likes of Zava. They are. <laughs> I, we'll show it. Well, this is a podcast, so we don't show anything. But <laughs> there is the part where you see the poster of Zava, and it's like 2013 to 2013. So <laughs> apparently Zava doesn't last long in places. But at the end of this friendly match, they play a song, Tom. Mm-hmm. And I will give you the next three and a half minutes to sing it bar for bar. What mm-hmm. song plays in the Dutch-friendly stadium? It's a beautiful song by Mr. Bob Marley. Um called Three Little Birds. And I like that it starts with Rebecca hearing the song and saying, oh, this is so depressing. Yet at the very end, it you know kind of changes her tune on it because it is such a, a beautiful song. And uh, I, don't, I don't see how you can be depressed listening to it. Sure. Well, it's tough to be depressed after you spend a long time on a wooden boat in Amsterdam. But we'll touch <laughs> on that later. <laughs> The interview that you mentioned is Jan Maas. I love it. He's there, Dutchman, so he gets to be interviewed there. And Roy, mm-hmm. and Roy going off here was wonderful. This is all pretend. <laughs> Him going after everything was just awesome. Yeah, the match, this conversation, the person, his job. Uh, and then him pretending to give a crap about the interview. It's it so good. So good. When he <laughs> goes, you're a pretend person and doing a pretend job or whatever it was, it was so belittling and so wonderful. And I appreciated all of this. This, I mean, the soccer doesn't rem- matter. All of this is a setup for everyone to get a night out in Amsterdam. So mm-hmm. uh, we are, I guess setup where Rebecca's kind of asking everyone what they're doing. Higgins mm-hmm. is immediately like going to the red light district, which <laughs> uh, if I was to, you know, guess as to what Higgins was doing, red light district would have been probably top 25. Certainly. <laughs> I like how both Keely and Rebecca just kind of make, make eye kind of like, nah, like nah. that's not where he's going. He just misspoke. And that's a runner throughout the episode where he tells uh-huh. the team this later and they're like, nah, it's just a fun, a fun bit. And it's almost like they're reassuring the audience. They're like, no Higgins, not a creep. I, I don't know. Uh, not like going to go do that. 
mm-hmm. maybe creep strong. I don't know, Tom. Maybe you're a big <laughs> proponent of the red light district. I don't know, uh, but the uh, it's just funny that they're like, nah, Higgins is he's he's a good family. He's man. a married man. Exactly. There we he's go. a married man. Keeley is hopping on a plane to visit Jack in Norway. So mm-hmm. apparently that relationship is going to new heights and countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently there's going to be a really good Aurora Borealis. It's the Aurora Borealist ever. Nice, nice. <laughs> but I do like there's a bit here where um, Keeley's hair is like in the same design of Phoebe with like the little pigtails and pom-poms up top. I saw like a, somebody tweeted about it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's I don't I would assume it's it, it was done on purpose from like the, the styling and stuff of her kind of taking on Phoebe style, which I thought was kind of cool. So it still kind of shows a connection to, to Roy and, and that relationship. I do like how Roy then kind of comes in toward the end here. It's like, hey, where is she going? And then Rebecca's reply is somewhere that believes they deserve her, which is an interesting line. And I had to think about it for a little bit. But I think ultimately Rebecca is just kind of saying, like, like, listen, if you if you just think you deserve her and I think uh, Rebecca does think that Roy deserves her or, or still wants to be with her, like you need to pursue it and, and you know, go after her kind of a thing. So I sure. think it's, it's an interesting kind of coy little line that she gives. Yeah, she's taking Keeley's side, but still like not, it's not like a complete mm-hmm. insult to Roy, I guess. Yeah. Um, and to speak of the pigtails and pom-poms, uh, I have been sent a letter where I'm not allowed to comment on women's fashion anymore <laughs> after the last podcast. Um, the people we've... Julian read your messages and uh, will <laughs> proceed uh, with caution for now on. <laughs> Probably. Who knows? I, I won't know what I'm doing in 20 minutes, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're on the bus. Everyone is sad. Ted and Beard take note. Uh, it's always just Ted and Beard spending time together, saying things to one another like, <laughs> uh, only you can get them out of their pineapple percussions, which is yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, the doldrums. The doldrums. Took me a second. I, I I asked my wife like her immediate thought was to go to Chiquita as her her go to banana and not doles. So mm. took us a second. Now strong dole family over here. We oh. love Hawaii. We love Bob Dole. Uh, we love peanut butter, <laughs> and we love the doldrums, and we love the Phantom Toll Booth. So. All of those things speak to the doldrums. Uh, I don't remember what Ted says, but it all leads up to him saying, hey, no curfew tonight. Well, I think he sees I think that Roy is the first one that kind of goes back, which is funny. I think he literally does like a little like, mean face and puts like his fingers over his eyebrows to like be more thick and like goes like that, which was kind of funny. But yeah, he, he sees that the, the team needs a night out. They need some time away. And then Beard even mentions that, you know, hey, you do too. And then, boom, this is where we kind of get a lot of the story splits. The stories all split. So we're going to chase each one of these groups through the streets of Amsterdam and what they do. Tom, I'm setting you up, and I hope you know the answer, but the Beard episode from season two, what Mm -hmm. city were they in where he spends the night... Uh, out on the town. Where was the beer? I think that was at? the Manchester City game. So they weren't too far away, but they were like they were going to hop back on the, I don't know, the train or the tube or whatever it is. Um, but beer decides not, and he wants to go out, and that's where we follow him. 
I was a little bit scared that this was going to turn into a callback to that. And I am mm. very glad that they followed <laughs> a diverse group of people through their night and honestly skip beard altogether, kind of. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I feel like the mystery of Beard's Night is more fun, although I'm a little bit concerned maybe we catch up with Beard in the next episode. <laughs> they just do a replay of his night, but I guess that's future Julian's problem. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm with you. I like what they did because what we had mentioned this during the Beard episode, his... The, the idea of what he does is probably more fun than actually watching him go all the way through. So the fact that this episode follows pretty much everybody outside of Keeley and Beard, but still gives us the Beard weirdness at the end was fun. It was. It was. Speaking of a lot of fun, we have the entire <laughs> team in a lobby trying to make plans. And as a family of less than five... Trying to get anyone to agree on anything ever is incredible. And the fact that Isaac is very much hung up on everyone has to agree to the same thing unanimously is a crazy (laughs) idea. Um, And so what were the options, Tom? I'll start. One of them was to go see a tulip, a single tulip. (laughs) Yeah, not an entire field. That would be incredibly overwhelming, which is Danny Rojas' contribution. Uh, which was great. It was a great little through line through this uh, part of the story. And I think Zoro was the one who was very eager to see a sex show since they were in Amsterdam, which sure. seems odd to go to that type of show with all of your friends. But, you know, Zoro's uh, or Van Damme's that kind of guy. Yep. Van Dam is that type of guy. Since we are a podcast for children, we will refer to it as a lovemaking show, which I okay, think actually sounds worse, but... Um, we're steering the ship down that traffic channel, so we'll stay with it. They ask Trent, they throw to Trent, and he's like, listen, I don't know if you've uh, met me, but I'm probably going to suggest something like museums. And he does. He suggests it's like museum night or something like that. Mm -hmm. Is that what I had in the outline later? Is that what Ted ultimately goes to? Is that what he's referring to, like these night Van Gogh things? Or is a Van Gogh a, a separate museum outing? I think Ted only goes to one museum, so I think he just stumbles okay. upon the one. I, Trent makes it seem like there's a bunch of museums. I mm-hmm. think maybe Ted goes to it because it's open later, and that gives him the opportunity to go. But I don't, mm-hmm. think, I don't think Ted goes to more than one. I mean, he goes to two museums, one yeah. for Van Gogh and one for the great country of the U.S. of <laughs> <America. laughs> Uh, I do like that uh, uh, Trent Kriv is wearing some really awesome shoes here, like very loud leopard print. It was it was awesome. Yes, very wonderful. Everything I I loved what they did with Trent this episode. It was fun, um, and they got to let him like stretch his acting chops and do mm-hmm. some things here with Colin, which I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. But agreed. We have Higgins. This is where he goes through, and he's like, I'm going to go make Will a man. I'm going to the red light district <laughs> with him, which I thought it was interesting that he abandoned Rebecca, but then he took Will. I, I, I didn't really know if that was, was that his plan the whole time, that he was going to force Will to go to jazz instead of taking Rebecca to jazz? 
No, I think when they were either heading off the bus, that's when he kind of mentioned, like, because they were sitting next to each other on the bus, asked him if he wanted to go along. And Will was super excited that he got invited. So I think it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Sure. But he knows that Rebecca can sing, which everyone knows the main part of jazz is singing. Mm. So why <laughs> not Why not Higgins <laughs> and Rebecca go to the jazz club and she could skit scat scooby doo and <laughs> while he plays the boss. Um, but instead he takes well. I like how this turned out. I was just surprised at how quickly he uh, turned down Rebecca. But this is a TV show where plots are made. So I'll yeah, trust it's fun the writers. See, yeah, it's fun to see those two characters together, right? Like we've seen not necessarily Higgins and Rebecca do like anything maybe outside of the office. Their banter is obviously great. But um, I don't know. I feel like Higgins is maybe thinking he doesn't want to get outshined by Rebecca because she's got a heck of a voice. Which we get in this episode, too. We do. We do. Jan Moss is like, listen, you guys have lucked out. I know some people around here. We could go to a <laughs> private party. Colin, who I felt very much a kindred spirit with Colin, where he's like, listen, you guys can all do that. I'm not going to. As the guy that is typically <laughs> yeah. like, no, I shall not be attending. In fact, Apple, my phone, has that as just like a hot key thing i start to type it and it just says i shall not be attending the event you are suggesting i send it all the time gam gam mom dad stepdad all of them it's just no i shall not be attending um so i i I was with colin here because he's like i'm out yeah and i wonder if it was like just well obviously the inconvenience of this party that jan eventually gets to that it's two hours away and just you know upsets everybody um but I'm wondering if it is he wanted to be able to do his own thing here or if it was because the party they were talking about just didn't seem up his alley. It's probably a little bit of column A and column B. Sure, sure. Well, he heard of a lovely little gathering place called, uh, I believe it's pronounced Prike, and so he was going to uh, (laughs) that place. Yeah. This is where I believe Isaac really digs in, and he's like, "No, we have to agree. Let's start the voting process." I love democ. I, I love watching democracy. It works, and it works flawlessly in this situation, as it does in real life. Oh man, Isaac is just so phenomenal in like all of these scenes. Like he's always so deadpan, and like he's having no joy in any of these conversations. But it feel he feels like it's his duty to make sure everybody like has a good time, and they they all agree on something so his like screaming of no and like overruled it was just so good yeah very good Uh, we are going to stay with the team as they continue to have this argument and i believe they eventually settle on what they're going to do but then the conversation is what are we going to eat first and that devolves into (laughs) uh further dissension and that leads to a great moment where, and I'm forgetting the actor's name, we'll call him Isaac in this situation, gets to rage and really like acting class monologue, uh, get after it here, which we uh, I, I enjoyed. <laughs> His delivery is just so great because it, it becomes like a Shakespearean like tale and or soliloquy or something where the camera's like even below him and it's just making him look huge in this scene and he's throwing his arms out he's like we are riven by these crossroads how doth we channel the lack of compromise <laughs> like just everything in here was just great and i love seeing more isaac because we didn't we haven't got a whole lot of them here in season three 
I would not be surprised if that was not a quote from some sort of Shakespeare. Uh, I'm going to give you a thousand internet points for using the term soliloquy. I don't know what it means, <laughs> but you used it, and I appreciate because not only are we are a podcast for children, we're also in a podcast for the coastal elites. So we <laughs> use terms like that. But we're also a podcast for guy likes to kick back during the summer, have a summer shandy, you know, from Lionel <laughs> Coogan's while he's wearing his Nikes, not New Balance. We are not a New Balance <laughs> podcast. I want that to be. All right, Nike. Sam, but Isaac, the, the actor, the actor of Isaac is Cola uh, Bokiti. Great, Thank great you. work. After he gives that big speech, I believe that's when Sam gives Isaac the note. Did you uh, did you have a guess <laughs> as to what the note said? Did you, did you have an idea of what you thought it was going to be? I had no idea. I thought he had like officially said like we're going to do. I guess my my thought was the party, like they were going to commit to the party or something. I, I it, it never occurred to me that they would move to the pillow fight. Which no, I no, 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 no. Did not see the pillow fight. As one does, you never see a pillow fight coming. They just yep. always come out of nowhere. <laughs> I actually thought he was going to recommend Tulip uh, and that they would all mm. agree to the, like, uh, the third one. One thing we're not mentioning in here is a great moment where they, they're like in one vote for Tulip. And they all look at Rojas, <laughs> and he's like, oh, it could have been anyone. And they're like, you wrote it in Spanish. <laughs> that whole... Anyone uh, could have wrote it in Spanish. <laughs> Danny Rojas's uh, delivery there was excellent. Uh, but no, this leads to a team pillow fight. And it was just great. And did you know this is a callback from season one? Do you remember when Ted had mentioned the idea of the team doing a pillow fight? Yes, it was either the Iron Giant or... It was either Team yes. Movie Night, which was Iron <laughs> Giant, or Team Pillow Fight, right? Yeah. And he's like, one of these days, you're going to choose Pillow Fight. It's going to change your world. And <laughs> here we go. And it does. Like, it's fun. Like, it brings the whole team together. They have a fantastic time. And I think they're, this is kind of part of the sequence where, you know, later on, we'll, we'll get to Higgins' bit where he's kind of playing, you know, up on stage and playing jazz. Like, as his music is playing, they're doing this Pillow Fight, and it's kind of cut in with the different... Uh, a bunch of other characters montages it's a great little kind of fitting end for for the team outing in amsterdam didn't go anywhere didn't really do anything they just hung out in pillow pot yep yeah and they're probably all very hungry by the way i don't think they ate no i don't think they ate either and <laughs> they're all probably a little bit intoxicated but i do appreciate that they went into the kit and got the jerseys so they could tell whose team is on what <laughs> yeah uh, and this did remind me of the community episode where they have the pillow fight uh, in community. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's leave the team and go on the journey that is Roy and Jamie. I guess, did you have a favorite storyline that we followed during this episode? And we can touch on all of them, obviously, but, um, and I'm giving my hand away. Mine was Roy and Jamie. Did you have a favorite? <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, it can't not be Roy and Jamie. Like th- their relationship is just so fun to watch as it's kind of blossomed since season one and just completely upended. And now they're like friends. They're apologizing to each other. They're ribbing on each other. It's just, it's fantastic. So yeah, I, I would agree with you. This is probably my, my favorite storyline of this episode. Well, now I feel like I chose the popular one. So I'm going <laughs> to, as we speak through these, I'm going to determine that I hated the Roy and Jamie storyline just to be contrary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they leave the bus. I love how Roy does this. He's like, nah, we're training. Get off. And James <laughs> like, uh, okay. And he takes his like weird man fanny pack and hands it to uh, Will. And he's like, throw this away. And then James like, please don't throw that away. But they leave. And yeah. this is just a wonderful reveal that Jamie is a history buff. That he, mm-hmm. like, he's been to Amsterdam. He's done some studying. He's done the tours. And he's just naming mm-hmm. off things. And Roy's exasperation with how much Jamie <laughs> knows is just great. Yeah, it just makes it worse. Like, he's just so energetic. And he's doing cartwheels. And it's funny, too, to see, you know, kind of old man Roy here struggling to keep up with Jamie. Because the idea is generally, like, maybe Roy normally would, I'd say, be on a bike. But we know he can't ride a bike. But be in, like, a car following him while he makes Jamie, like, run in front so he can be, like, you know like he was in the previous episode, just sitting on a bench eating a sandwich while he makes Jamie do other work. But now right. he's got to he's got to participate and in, 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 uh, run with him. Right. And I'm assuming this is essentially a diversion for Roy's feeling because he knows what Keeley has gone off to do. And so he's just mm-hmm. trying to, he's forcing Jamie to give him a reason to like take out some aggression or not think about exactly. uh, Keeley moving on from him. And so it is funny, mm-hmm. like he's in a bad mood, and so Jamie's like over the top good mood. <laughs> I am the type of person that if I'm in a bad mood, I just like to be left alone. And being mm-hmm. around someone who's super happy that's trying to cheer <laughs> you up just makes it worse. I will dig my <laughs> bad mood heels in um, until that person gets it and then until everyone's in a bad mood. That's the key. <laughs> Very dead last time of you. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as mentioned earlier, I'm at Julian level five right now. I'm not even on the lasso scale. So maybe by the end of this podcast, Tom, who knows? We'll All right. Everybody. Roy is tired and he <laughs> has never been to Amsterdam, which is funny because Jamie reveals <laughs> what? Yeah. This gives the great little lights for Jamie saying like, never been to a stag party, an international match. An emergency flight diversion because you were being too distracting on a plane, <laughs> which he then immediately admits to him doing that, and he's that's why he's been in Amsterdam. <laughs> so great. He doesn't seem all that regretful about it. He kind no. of thinks it's a funny thing, but mm-hmm. um, Roy is just like everything here's fake. They're looking at this like weird windmill, and he's like, "I don't believe in windmills," which is a funny thing to not believe in. <laughs> And then he ultimately, it spurs Jamie to like, okay, we need bikes. And Roy Roy is apparently against anything that has a spoke and spins because <laughs> we find out not a big bike guy, not a big windmill guy. Mm. Uh, we stick with them and it's a great moment where Jamie has clearly paid a homeless guy to steal him bikes. But I don't <laughs> think Jamie knows that. I think Jamie just like... <laughs> 
uh, hey there, fella. Uh, how do I get some bikes? And the guy's like, listen, I will get I you get bikes. Because I think he hands him the chain for the first one. It's got like a, it's like a neon bike chain. And he hands it to Jamie with the bike, which is great. I like that idea, the idea that Jamie is just completely oblivious. I don't think I thought about this. I initially thought like, oh, he's just a rich guy. He doesn't really care what he's doing. But I think it's funnier and probably more believable that he's just oblivious and just hands the guy 100 quid or whatever it is. Yeah, he's and, just uh, like, hey, where do we find where do we find bikes? The guy's like, oh, I'll get you. And Jamie's like, all right, cool. This guy's going to get us. And uh, <laughs> this is then where we discovered that Roy does not know how to ride a bike. And this was mm-hmm. great like the 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 beat where like okay how is jamie gonna react and of course the homeless guy's still here too they bur- just uh, both burst out in laughter which was lovely i loved it yes yes <laughs> the fact that the two of them get to laugh at i don't know future canton hall of fame football player roy kent <laughs> um i'm assuming they share all football players share the same hall of fame right it's all in cat canton yeah that sounds about right okay wonderful it's gotta be in america What's less funny is Roy explaining, Granddad told me he'd teach me, uh, and then he died over Christmas <laughs> before I came home. <laughs> that makes it a little less funny, um, but... <laughs> well, the way they shot it was great, because it's like, yeah, you immediately kind of feel bad, but then like the very next line from Roy, Roy. is like, actually, it's a great disrespect for his memory, and now I feel ashamed saying it all out loud. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that it gives us the, the end back to like, okay, we can laugh at him, or... You know, he need Jamie needs to encourage him to get on the get on that bike. Right, right. That's a good point. And Jamie's like, "I will teach you," and that's my best Jamie <laughs> impression accent I can do. I am Jamie. I will teach you. And then for your granddad, <laughs> there it is. We get a little bit of raindrops keep falling on my head. Which mm. Tom, have you ever seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? I have not, so I don't know any of these references that they're doing here. I've certainly heard the song, but uh, tell me about it. Okay, so uh, I'll start from the top. We open on a mesa in the <laughs> desert. The screen, no. So Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid is a great, great movie. Uh, and there is a scene that I don't think it's in the middle exactly, but it is a little bit out of place in the movie where they are in like the Wild West, they're outlaws, and they come across like old school bikes with the big like front tire and small. And so this mm-hmm. song, Raindrop Keep Falling on My Head, um, plays while uh, Butch Cassidy and his girlfriend at the time uh, are like riding on Sundance bikes. Sundance Kid? So it's, no, the Sundance Kid is his business partner. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And and so, anyways, it's just a, it's kind of a, it's an iconic scene from an iconic movie, and you should watch the mm-hmm. movie because it's great. That's a great ending. Okay. The best ending of any movie I've ever seen, quite possibly. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. There's no soccer in it, so. So so this is the pre-make of that, this scene? Yes, yes. Just like they, the pre-make of the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance okay. Kid stole this scene. <laughs> yes, that's exactly okay. right. And Paul Newman... Uh, and Robert Redford saw Ted Lasso and then made that movie. So, yes. I love that guy's ranch. It's great. Oh, his ranch dressing? dressing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's got one that I think has uh, poppy seeds in it. So if you ever want to not get past a drug test, get some of your your Paul Newman poppy seed dressing. 
Sometimes I like to put it on a salad and then wash it down with an ice cold Lionel Coogan's while I'm wearing my Nikes. Who we need sponsor stuff. Anyways, uh, th- there is this montage of him learning to ride a bike, which is great. My favorite moment of the whole thing was where Roy literally attacked Jamie with the bike by picking it up and throwing it at him. So great. Uh, Jamie's response: How is that going to help anyone? <laughs> Oh, and then I Roy... love how like go ahead. Jamie is just so like happy go lucky and being so kind and like encouraging. It's just it's so fun to watch him like open up with Roy and like I don't know get past Roy's rough exterior. Oh yeah, the the story arc of the two of them from season one to this now is just like it's paying off and it's mm-hmm. so much fun. And speaking of paying off, Roy kind of learns to ride a bike. There's some questionable <laughs> moments, but uh, he, he gets, I guess he gets the gist and he'll probably never mm-hmm. forget. But they then have these moments where they're sharing with each other and Jamie's talking about, you know, hey, I have been to Amsterdam one time, you know, with my father was a terrible person to my mother and he wanted to be super dad. He, uh, mm-hmm. he brought me out here. Uh, and I thought we were going to see the sights. Instead, he, much like Higgins and Will, took me to the red light district for some light <laughs> prostitution. I like Roy, he's just like, you must have been traumatized. He's like, no, she loved it. <laughs> Which is a nice little brief moment of levity here because yes. it is kind of odd for that to happen. Um, but he, like Jamie's response is still kind of interesting. Like he's like, he says he doesn't remember it, even though that was apparently like his first time. It, it just kind of says a little bit about kind of his character and like the way he was probably raised, obviously by his kind of absentee or abusive father. And being a celebrity kind of at a young age was probably didn't experience a lot of these things that a lot of young kids grow up experiencing. Yeah, no, there's probably a lot to unpack inside the mind of Jamie Tart. <laughs> um, but that's not our job. That's Dr. Sharon's no. job. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he does mention about revisiting with his mom, and she took him to the museums and also took him to light prostitution, which, <laughs> uh, no, that's not what happened. Both Roy and Jamie have a moment here where they apologize and they go off to find windmills. More, more mm. windmills. Yep. It's windmill, kind of not sequence. windmill, right? You're not eating the wind. It's windmill, correct? I don't know. You can make an argument that those bl- windmill blades are eating the wind. So, yeah, I think it goes. Okay. Get at us. General G- Mills it turbine. Goes. Yeah, smart. Okay. Yeah. Getting sponsored L- by GE and General Mills. <sighs> A lot of sponsors this episode. So many sponsors. Also... We talked about democracy earlier. Rock the vote, guys. You know, get out there and <laughs> rock that vote. That is another one of our sponsors. I don't know what we're voting for, but I don't know. Listen to this around the time where voting matters and go do it. That's, uh... <laughs> But only if you're going to do it in the right way, you know, for what I want oh, you to do. That would be better than other things. Anyways, rock the vote. All right. Cullen and Trent. I enjoyed this storyline. I enjoyed this. Once again, uh, I felt like it's a dated storyline, but I love what they did with it, and maybe dated's the wrong word. I don't know. Cullen gets his excuse. He leaves the team. Trent follows him like the Sherlock Holmes that he is, although Sherlock Holmes Mm -hmm. wishes he had that hair. 
and uh, Colin goes to, once again, I think I'm pronouncing this correctly. I believe the bar is called Prike. Is that, does that sound right? P-R-I-K? Um, well, for the sake of this children's podcast, yes, we'll call it Prike. Okay. So he goes to Prike. Looks lovely. Well decorated. Um, they don't have vanilla vodka, which I found questionable, but they have just a full bar of Hendrix gin. So many <laughs> bottles of, of Hendrix gin, which is a great choice, uh, but lacked variety. Not complaining. Um, <laughs> funny story with Hendrix gin, you don't put a lime, you put a cucumber in there. So that's uh, mm-hmm. something when you're making a gin and tonic. Uh, we're also brought to you by would... Hendrix gin. <laughs> And cucumbers. Guy. Never never been a gin guy. I'd no? be a good cucumber. Put those over okay. your eyes. But you kept singing that song when we were younger about gin and juice, so I always assumed you were a gin guy. No? Mm, no, I did like that song. That's one of my, my early early jams, but uh, no, not the, not the alcoholic drink. I think I had one gin martini on a cruise before, and it was terrible, so it turned me off of all gin. Mm. Really rubbing the fact that you've been on a large boat drinking alcohol in our faces, Tom. That's fine. Yes, us, much us bigger th- than that Dutch guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, on those small wood boats, it's only brandy. There's no gin there. Uh, Trent shows up as the as Colin is talking to the bartender. <laughs> Colin does a great work here. He's like, oh, am I in the right place? I was just, he's like, I have amnesia. And then he like mm-hmm. immediately leaves. He, it was very funny how he got out of there in the most like awkward way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you turn down like a, a show called Thunderdong. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm watching that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thunder Thunderdog is the, uh, it used to be Thundercats. And then they did a cartoon about Thunder Dogs. So I've never seen it, but I think a very similar like animation style to Thun- Thundercats. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is a podcast for children, Tom. Um, Trent follows him out and is like, hey, your secret's safe. I knew before. I haven't told anyone. Uh, mm-hmm. And this leads to a very nice heart-to-heart where... Um, Trent expresses that he, I guess, was married, he has a daughter, and then uh, he had to come out to his spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this whole scene is just absolutely beautiful with like both of them kind of sitting and enjoying the beers kind of right there on the canal. But yeah, the, Trent kind of confessing that, you know, he had to come out like twice to his wife, like who didn't believe it the first time and then did it again. But then ultimately mentions to Colin that like, yeah, my daughter and my family, like we've never been happier, like since I've been you know, living kind of, which we'll get to, like, he's living one life. He's not trying to live a, a dual life or pretend that he's somebody he's not. And it's only made his family stronger and happier. Right. Which is Colin's point. He's like, I feel like I have to live two lives where I'm pretending mm-hmm. in one and then I have my true self in another. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I don't know, you kind of mentioned earlier, like this is, I, I love seeing storylines like this because it's stuff that, you know, I, I certainly as a straight white man just kind of take for granted, like don't understand like the, the world that, you know, people that are not out and are not able to live and be themselves, how challenging and difficult it is. And we kind of mentioned the idea that Colin being a professional footballer and I, I love the way he presents it here. Like he says, like, I don't want to be a spokesman. I don't want to, like, I could come out to my team and I'm, I feel confident that my team is go like, wouldn't care, but it's just easier for me to like 
you know, keep this inside. And he right. kind of has his work life and his dating life. Um, but then he, you know, brings up the idea that Dr. Sharon has helped him and realized that he has an ache inside and that, you know, he needs to be able to live like one life and not separate the two, which is just so heart wrenching to, to kind of hear and so beautifully told from from Billy Harris as the actor uh, for the scene playing Colin. Um, and then in getting the, the trend kind of back and forth that they're both up opening up to each other is beautiful. And I think I even mentioned too, where we saw kind of Trent wearing that little kind of bracelet. So it kind of gets the mention of um, Trent having a daughter and, and kind of gives a little bit more of, of Trent's backstory, which I, I really loved as well. So just a beautiful scene and, and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I thought they both did a wonderful job here. My fear was that they were going to turn this romantic, which I feel like it plays better, you know, as kind of a, hey, I've like gone through what you're going through and like kind of like a mentorship. I, I liked how yeah. they did this. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it ends, as one does, with that mentorship going to Thunderdong, Thunderdog, Thundercat. <laughs> oh, no, I said it, Tom. Sorry, Gam Gam. <laughs> There are worse things in this world to say than Thunderdome. That's just that's just fun. But yeah, sure. they they finished their sequence with the you know Colin finally gets his vanilla vodka, which he absolutely loves. And I will be honest, I would probably love some vanilla vodka. Uh, Trent was not having it. He kind of took a sip and it's like no 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 no. But seeing both <laughs> of them just laugh and have fun um, at that bar kind of towards the end was just was just awesome. And it's fun to see Colin like opening up and now kind of having somebody kind of close to him that you know, maybe he feels more comfortable opening up to his team in the future. So again, interesting to see where they, they take that storyline. I'm for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this household is a big proponent of vanilla vodka. Uh, there's someone in this house that consumes it for <laughs> breakfast. So that's probably not something we should put out into the world, Julian, but no, she puts uh, it in her, her morning orange Julius. Nah. <laughs> Uh, that's good. <laughs> was that Woody the Woodpecker? <laughs> yeah. This is my Woody the Woodpecker laugh. I'm trying it out. Sounds a lot like Kermit. <laughs> I will not do a Kermit impression. <laughs> the people have spoken about that as well. I can't talk about women's fashion and I can't do Kermit impressions, but I can laugh like Woody the Woodpecker. All right. Let's go down the Higgins and Will path, which is mm-hmm. they go to the red light district. We immediately find out that this is going to be a. Uh, a jazz uh, venture into the red light district Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. he comes across this plaque, which is of Chet Baker. Um, (laughs) uh, The best line delivery is Will when he's like, is everything okay at home? Just such a good line (laughs) to like, uh, like it's your boss, but like some stuff's happening that you're uncomfortable with. So your (laughs) opener is, Hey, are you, are you doing all right? Everything? How's, how's, uh, I don't know. Windy. Is everything good at home? Yeah. Boys are good. I don't know. It was just so good. The way he delivered that line. It was, it was great. But I, I like how we get this backstory of Chet Baker and he kind of mentions the idea that what he's like a heroin addict and he was tortured by his demons, but it still didn't stop him from making great music. Uh, which I think we get a little bit with like that guy talking to Ted later on about Van Gogh, brilliant people that can make beautiful things, but are kind of tortured by, you know, there's just inner demons and things like that. And then I think at a certain point, uh, Higgins starts making like mention of him getting like, or falling out of that window and like making mention, like, did he do it? Or did he do it? Did somebody push him? And I was like, uh Oh, 
Like I literally started putting my fingers together. I'm like, oh, Julian, do we have a murder mystery on our hands? Is Higgins going to be <laughs> Detective Higgins and going to solve a murder mystery? But alas, we just play jazz. Yeah, they just play jazz, which is the second best option in that situation. <laughs> and we also find out from this conversation that drugs are bad. So once again, Team Bidge brought to you by Dare. Uh, don't <laughs> always recreationally, uh, I don't know what the E stands for. I don't remember what DARE stands for, but we're brought to you by them. So whenever you want to do a drug, just crack open nice cold Lionel Coogan's Summer Shandy. <laughs> Better than drugs, our slogan. We um, dare you. We, there we go. We dare you. I like it. All right. We'll, we'll workshop some of that. I think we'll get there, though. And we're not doing this uh, chronologically like we mentioned, clearly, but uh, this is, I think you had this in the initial outline. It was great that he's telling Will that drugs are bad, and then the next scene cuts to Beard making like some kind of tea cocktail for Ted, like with doing shrooms. drugs and yeah. saying how great drugs are, which was, which was fun. Beard, big proponent. Big proponent. <laughs> uh, not a dare guy. I would say he probably did not win the essay contest uh, to get himself the old dare lion stuffed animal higgins needed a jazz buddy and that's why Mm. him and will are on a pilgrimage to uh the jazz club he has a line do you remember the line about the what was the yeah he kind of says like yeah a single person going is just a zealot but two pilgrims together that's a pilgrimage and then they have a little cheers and it was a it was a gun it was a nice fun moment with these two Yep, and then they each rip off a turkey leg and bash potatoes, <laughs> and they celebrate Thanksgiving as pilgrims. <laughs> I think that's what happened. Higgins gets on stage because he is... Listen, Tom, I've been to a lot of concerts where all I do is uh, air guitar <laughs> the whole time. I've never once been asked on stage. I've never once had a guy on stage be like, Hey, man, you look like you really rock that air guitar. Do you play for real? Uh, my answer would, of course, be yes, because the spotlight's on me and everyone's looking at me and everyone's been like, oh, that guy's air guitar is great. So Higgins has been air basing. Is that a thing? Am I mm-hmm, touching something? So then he gets called on stage. I don't know. I can suspend a lot of disbelief. You know, the psychic, mm-hmm. um, the fact that there are all these canals filled with water running through the city and no one falls into them. <laughs> Um, but this guy being called on stage because of his air base, uh, it stretches, stretches the limits just a little bit. It is. But I mean, again, we're not, we're not jazz people. We, we don't frequent these types of jazz establishments, which I feel like we probably should. I feel like it'd be kind of fun to go to a jazz club and and see. My body just reacted negatively to that suggestion. (laughs) I can't, I can't express to you what it did, but it, it said no. (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer. All right, I guess I'm going by myself. Just all I ask is sit in the table right in front of the stage and <laughs> pretend like you're air basing and then FaceTime me when they call you on stage and but they see, realize you've you. never held a bass before. I need you to be able to like, be that guy right next to me. You need to be my will that says, oh, yeah, this guy, he, he knows Chet Baker. You know Chet Baker? Like, yeah, he, he's, he can crush it. 
That I don't even know what I would say. Stage. I'd be like, oh, this cool cat, he really jazzes. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> would that lingo be accepted? Someone write us at yeah, Team Binge jazz Podcast. Hands. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Uh, jazz hands <laughs> at you. Be like, oh, this guy's got the jazziest of jazz hands. And I'm not talking about the dance move. And then I wink with both eyes. All right. Higgins plays very well. Uh, we have a montage of his music. And Will gets a little bit of the eye from a lady that was previously making out with a dude, like not, I don't know, five (laughs) seconds before. So I don't know if we're proud of this for Will, but it's going to lead to something. Yeah. This immediately made me think of like Wedding Crashers, the idea of like, yeah, that lady in the uh, hat just eye the something out of me. Yep. (laughs) There it goes. Yep. You got there. (laughs) I almost said it. Uh, But yeah, I like it. And again, this is... We get it at the very end when they get back to the bus, but then Will makes the mention of, like, got invited to a threesome, which I like the idea of this continuing the, like, triangle or, like, three. Oh, wow. Listen to you. You're making (laughs) triangle connections all over the place. I didn't even think of that. Oh, (laughs) man. Incredible. (laughs) in this episode. Incredible work. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. You know what? This was my favorite storyline. Rebecca's. Let's follow Rebecca through her sailing adventures. Her murder. Her murder. Oh, okay. You think <laughs> you think she gets murdered in this episode and everything else All is just dream. a yep. uh, Jacob's she's, Ladder she's scenario where everyone's <laughs> dreaming? Yes. Listen, I'm gonna. I'll just say it up top. Like, I liked the storyline. I like what they kind of did to be able to you know, let Rebecca kind of have like a moment of kind of just pure fun and just emotional like joy. Um, but I mean, all these little beats and stuff are just kind of creepy and seem very out of character for Rebecca to just be going along with all of this. But again, I don't want to harp on it throughout this whole sequence, but I did find it weird. Tom, I think you're projecting a little as someone who, and I know your story where you were once accidentally knocked into the Tempe town lake and fished out by a homeless person uh, who then took advantage of you. We won't go into detail. I feel like you're projecting what happened uh, to Rebecca in this situation. So let's just take this one at face value. I thought this was a beautiful story that was very romantic. And I was not at all weirded out by this giant gentleman in his uh, orange haze wood houseboat. (laughs) So let's dive into it. Rebecca's on the phone, as one does with Sassy. We find out that, I guess, there are bike bridges, or she's standing in the bike lane. Is this a thing? Is there... Who you did the research see on in the background. Instagram? You see in the background, she's, like, walking on, like, a, a sidewalk that is, like, red. So I think it's specific for bike people. There's people walking, like, next to her, but they're walking kind of further to the right. So, like, that's for pedestrians. The other's for bikes. So she is not where she should be. She gets knocked off of the bridge. Uh, I think this is as the gentleman is like, hey, you are a very lovely woman. 
insert Dutch. Mm-hmm. Tom, when, uh, when uh, Jimmy edits this, just have him give me a Dutch accent uh, during well, that do. line reading. Um, <laughs> she gets knocked off to the bridge. She loses her phone. Real, I mean, listen, Apple, uh, come at us for ideas here, but missed opportunity. The phone should have floated to the top. And they would have been like, iPhone 20, it floats. Like that, I mean, what don't, you want your phone to be able to watch videos, answer phone calls, not text people, and float. Those are all we want out of a cell phone. And Apple, I feel like, really missed it. She should have been holding onto that phone like it was a life raft. Like it was the only thing keeping her afloat. Come on, Apple. The Apple Watch, no, Apple iPhone 21, it floats. That's the slogan. Boom. Listen, she she could probably find that that somewhere in there. They they'll they'll dredge 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 the river. They'll find it. Sure, they'll drench the river. That's right. <laughs> this immediately was like I was like wait, and I went into like a fugue state, and I was like reaching out into the psychic world. I was I was somewhere between this world and the psychic one, and I remembered <laughs> that uh, a psychic in the show said something about she's going to be wet and scared, but okay. Is that? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I think she said, like, you're going to be drenched and spinning, but safe. So, again, her flipping upside down very comically into the water, um, but ultimately was safe with this guy. Drenched and 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 spinning, I'm pretty sure, is an exercise class, is it not? Well, (laughs) you got to pay. It's a a very expensive exercise class. Sure. A lot of water. Sure. Now now that I hear that and I'm talking about that, like, I wonder if the idea of, again, Rebecca's kind of seemingly full bore into the psychic's reading and thinks everything is going to come true. So if she was told that she would be drenched and spinning, but safe, like if the psychic told her she'd be safe, maybe that's why she was like less, I mean, I guess just more into like this experience and not just immediately leaving this guy's house. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's a boat. It's tough to leave a boat. Um, <laughs> boat so houseboat. House he pulled up the plank and jettisoned the buoys so she couldn't get onto <laughs> the pier. Those are all nautical terms, Tom, uh, okay. which I think is the main reason why people join us for learning nautical <laughs> terms here at Team Binge. <laughs> this man encourages her uh, to swim to him, but does not put in a lot of effort to help. I'll say this. No. He, I think he throws his phone into the water, maybe, uh, but he does not throw a, ooh, see, this would have been, he could have been like, oh, hey, I have the iPhone 21. It's a flotation device. And then he could have just whipped it at her, and then she could have used that to get to the boat. Instead, he just throws his phone in the water and does not make any effort. He's, like, really high on that boat. Like, he's, like, I don't know, six feet out of the water. I know she's tall, but how, I don't know. I didn't feel like this guy was very helpful from the get-go. No, could have thrown her like a little life uh, raft. Yeah, not a like life a raft. life What's raft <laughs> phone. Yes, Tom, we've established. <laughs> phones should float. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is kind of clumsy and silly writing. Like, nobody's taking their phone and just chucking it in the water to make somebody else in the water feel slightly better. Like, he was on the phone with seemingly maybe his daughter or ex-wife. Like, it was it was silly. Nobody does that. I mean, he's ready for an upgrade, which when you have the iPhone 21, if you drop it in water and it does not float, time for an upgrade. Apple. <laughs> Sorry. That was another commercial. It doesn't like explode and turn to a bunch of little iPhones like the Gremlins? No, it no it does not. 
Uh, I dropped my iPhone into the pool once, and it was no longer working. So this is where all the bitterness about the iPhone not floating is coming from. That's a little bit about me. Sorry, we're sticking with Rebecca. She wanders around this murder houseboat. Uh, can we just refer to it as the murder houseboat? Now you've got a. I didn't think it was that that creepy, but you've kind of got me in the mode where yeah, she could have been maybe murdered at any moment. So. She wanders she around. She wandering around. Yes. Yeah. She sees the kids' bedroom, you know, and and the show is trying to tell us like, okay, this is this is not a murder houseboat. It's a good boat because it's playing this soft, gentle music. She's like seeing the the kids' room and it's, you know, beautiful. But like, I don't know. Who I don't know who this guy is. Maybe he just likes uh, little kid stuff and this is his his room. Like, we don't know. It's just I don't know. It's goofy. But good, again, good point, I don't want to I don't want to harp on all this this murder boat stuff. It is You're, what it is. It's fine. It's fun. Yeah. No, you make a great point. Uh, grown men who like little kid stuff, never murderers. So no. that's, uh, <laughs> you're making a wonderful point. I don't think I, she keeps looking at like carvings and stuff. And there's like one of an airplane. It never mm-hmm. occurred to me. And maybe I just missed it. Uh, that like it was kid stuff. Uh, I, I miss like, I feel like that. one thing they could have done here is show a picture of him with his kid. Right, like sure. that, just at least gives me and proves to me that he has a kid. Like the fact that he just has this room that has a bunch of kid stuff in it. I, I mean, again, the music certainly helped play this, but it would have been nice if he just walks into the room, picks up a picture lovingly with a father and daughter. Sure. Yep. And then scans to another photo where it's like the Dutch political party. He's at a rally, and it's like no murder, <laughs> like no weapons. <laughs> No kidnapping. Those are like, that's their platform. And so you're like, okay, the shorthand is he's got a kid, so he's a dad. Also, he's against murder, kidnapping, uh, and evil. It's just like the all-encompassing. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a good, yeah. That I like when shows show us something rather than making us figure it out through conversation where we have mm-hmm. to listen. She, he's left her some hot tea. Which again leaves a note. It's not drugged. I promise. Like that's what on, a person who drugged the tea would say. I mean, let's <laughs> yeah. just be honest, right? You're gonna preemptively be like, "Oh no, there's no drugs in there. Just drink the whole thing." I mean, mm-hmm. there's a famous scene of those two guys that murder that guy in that diner where they're like, uh, "Try your burger. I bet it's. I bet it's great. Eat it up." And they've filled it with pills, <laughs> and then he dies. Uh, <laughs> Those guys were mass murderers. Their names were... That documentary? Yes. Dumb and Dumber? documentary where I want to say one of them was named Larry, and the other one's name was... uh, Jeff? I don't remember. Harry and Lloyd. Oh, so close. Um, (laughs) Anyways, the tea's not drugged. This gentleman... Do we ever find out this guy's name? Nope. We do okay. not get it. Like, and the, the, I purposely don't get it. Like, they don't exchange names because at the very end, when they're kind of saying their goodbyes, they both don't know each other's name. Sure, 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 sure. And I have questions about that. Anyways, man comes back with food. Um, he bandages her foot and kisses it, which I now am kind of seeing your point, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit murdery, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's some fun banter where he's like, I was in the military, and I was like, well, I mean, you can learn to put a Band-Aid on something and having not been in the military, but when she kisses the foot and he says, oh, it's habit, she's like, oh, from the military? That whole, ex- all those were funny, but now that I'm thinking about it, he's going to take her feet. That's what he's going to do, right? Yeah. Because later, yeah, mm, I'm uncomfortable, Tom. I'm uncomfortable. Uh, I'm glad I got you there. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. What is, uh, what's the... uh, You had it. That's it. Tell the truth. Oklahoma. Uh, My safety word is Oklahoma. Um, (laughs) He starts to make dinner. Uh, He delivers her a tub of clothes from previous victims. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh Tom this episode could have gone so differently I honestly I did not because Rebecca is preemptively being like hey should I be worried I wasn't as creeped out but when you go over it again yeah not great not great for anyone right it really isn't but again it's like I, I tried to just just suspend it because like, I get what they're trying to do with this bit of the storyline, but I, I felt like they were too heavy-handed in it. Like they could have done, and I don't know what they could have done, but they needed to do a little bit more to not make this as creepy as it. I think to me, ultimately, kind of played. Yep, he's like, "Oh no, the tub is my former victim's clothes," and <laughs> he and then he's like, "No, no, no, former partner's clothes." Sorry, in Dutch, the translation is different. And uh, this leads to Rebecca, even though Rebecca completely charmed by this weird wooden houseboat Mm -hmm. with the murder stuff. Um, But she's going to do a little bit of detective work here. Well, she even like finds something in the pack of clothes that she likes and like makes mention uh, or he makes mention that the ex-wife or whatever is no longer the picture. And she's like, oh, no, did she pass away? And then he says, unfortunately, no. (laughs) So he gives that beat. Which again, kind of murdery. Murdery. Yep, you're right. He wants I'm, his not, wife I'm in your corner now, Tom. I'm in your corner now. I'm terrified of this Dutchman and his boat. The flying Dutchman and his boat. That's a thing. Um, very quickly, he offers a foot massage. Which, uh, whew, real quick on that, um, went to the mm-hmm. foot massage. Um, he's like, oh, and rub this lotion on. I don't know. This was weird. <laughs> I'd be like, are you sure? My technique is sound. Which, again, that just gives me murder vibes. I just, I can't I can't say it enough. I didn't want to say it at the top of this, but, I mean, I'm just going to keep saying it. This guy's murderer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At what point does she put on the clothes of the partner? Um, I think it's around this part. Because she, she makes the comment about, like, should I be terrified that a tall woman is going to come in here and murder me mm-hmm. and i was like mm-hmm. i i wouldn't be worried about that that's that's probably the <laughs> second person that's going to murder you on this boat um and i'm going to say this i'm going to say this and i know i at the top of this i made some comments about me not not saying anything about women's fashion so i'm just going to say someone in my house while watching this commented it on the piece of clothing that rebecca chose and thought mm-hmm. it was very unrebecca like and mm. so i am delivering that news but not criticizing from <laughs> me i'm just repeating something that was said in my house about this muumu that she puts on that's all <laughs> that i'm saying it is interesting cuz like yeah we never really see rebecca in anything but 
super fancy, high-end, beautiful clothing. Uh, I think we got a couple of shots of her at home, but then she's in like just a beautiful robe. So this seems like kind of nice Sunday afternoon attire. She looks great in it. That's what was shared in my house. <laughs> Speaking of sharing, man shares his unfaithful partner story. And mm-hmm. it's sad. And that's, yeah, he said, I- that's what drives me to murder. And she's like, what? And he's like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Once again, translation is different. I do like the story. That, and again, this is where I, I, I like what they did with outside of the murdery bits, like him kind of saying, ah! like, hey, with time. <laughs> he's like, he says, like, you know, out, you know, with time, you know, I realized that this didn't happen to me. It happened for me, which, again, I think is, is brilliant. It's a, it's a beautiful way to kind of think about, you know, kind of hardships and things in life that sometimes it's, you know, it might seem really terrible and, and awful in the moment. But sometimes these things can happen for a reason. And I think that kind of hits Rebecca pretty hard here. Sure, sure. I'm sure she'll have that mindset as she's being murdered on this boat. She's like, this isn't <laughs> happening to me. This is happening for me. And he's like, yes, exactly. Anyways, they start singing because she's like, oh, is this someone singing a Kenny Rogers song? Uh, and he corrects her and is like, no, this is a Dutch genius. Yes, he's singing the Gambler's song. Uh, and so the two of them have a lovely moment where they sing and drink. And Mm -hmm. these are the types of moments and shows, and I'm sure I've brought this up before, where I wish I had a lick of musical talent uh, and (laughs) could sing, because uh, if I ever burst into song, uh, it's a real downer for everyone, Um, (laughs) mainly because I only sing funeral dirges, uh, but um, anyways, they both have uh, lovely voices. We got to get you to a karaoke bar. You get a couple drinks in you. Uh, you got the key is confidence. You can be terrible, but as long as you got enough confidence, then you then you can have some fun. But both of these people are fantastic singers, and it's always fun to get more more Rebecca or Hannah Waddingham singing. Tom, I love you. There's not a uh, amount of alcohol <laughs> that would keep me alive, but also allow me to sing in public. So I appreciate you, yeah. but I'm not ready to die yet. Um, Challenge accepted. But if I was going to, I'd drink Lionel Coogan's Summer Shandy, uh, 400 of them. That's a callback to last episode for those of you that are joining us for the first time, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, Tom? Gezelig. 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 To you, sir. Gezelig. What? Bless you. Gezelig. I don't know if I'm doing that right. But I, like I don't either. They Dutch said it's a... It's awesome. That's a cool language. Yeah, no, it is, certainly, and Beard speaks it. But uh, he says this a bunch of times, and I was like, hey, when are we going to ask what that word means? Because Rebecca (laughs) certainly didn't know. And we find out it's like warm and cozy. Go ahead. I want to say, when he first said that, it was like right after mentioning he was making food. So I'm like, oh, gazelle, that's just like some food. That's a dish that he's making. That was my impression. Yep, I had that same impression, but then he kept (laughs) using it. And I was like, I think it might mean murder. Anyways, uh, it's something about being warm and cozy. The dryer buzzes, but these two are not ready to part ways. They're not ready Mm -hmm. to put on dry clothes and leave the warmth of this murder boat. So she throws... Did she throw booze on the clothes or were those glasses of water? I hope they were glasses of water because that's just crazy. They made mention... 
they were going to switch to water because they had been drinking a lot. So there was two glasses of water. She uses them both or he, she uses one. He uses the other to get the clothes wet and they go straight back to the wine. Okay. Wonderful. I'm thinking about this now. And I thought this guy that plays this role that plays man, uh, did Mm -hmm. a, did a wonderful job in hindsight. It would have been much funnier had this gentleman been like, I don't know, five, six, and like 110 pounds and uh it would have just been fun if he was a much smaller but still a viable romantic partner for rebecca um you would have gotten less of the murdery vibes tom because you've been like oh (laughs) rebecca would break that dude in half so uh that's kind of what i hoped for that's true. This guy is a he's a handsome man, but he's he's a big guy. He's an intimidating guy. So yeah, I, I get the vibes. So I'm sorry, you're you're a great actor, but you give me Bond villain vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Big, handsome, murdery fella. That's what he is. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, did they do some dancing and then Yeah, this is like the montage bit where um again towards the end of the episode where they're kind of dancing, he eventually gets the gets in for that foot rub and then she ultimately kind of falls asleep and you can kind of see him going into his room kind of tucking her in and that's kind of where they they part ways for the night this is going to reveal a lot but i have never seen anyone enjoy a foot rub as much as uh that (laughs) rebecca is enjoying that foot rub um i did not i did not recognize the look of we'll say pleasure on her face Uh, as that foot rub was happening. So the guy is certainly, his technique is not to be questioned, I believe. No. It's sound. Sound is the way that it. It is. I have a companion that absolutely hates feet, so I don't get or give foot massages. I gotta, I gotta pay a, uh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say pediatrician. That's not, (laughs) that's not who gives them. Who gives uh, a pedicurist, pedicure people? Don't well, they that's do a nail thing. Massages? That's not a massage. I don't know. I think they do What's both, happening though, right? right now? So you're saying you don't get foot massages at home, so you have to pay for them in the red light district? Is that what I'm hearing? This is what you're hearing. Listen, I don't get them often, but a good foot massage is, is fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I just start giggling. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, just like that. The um, <laughs> next morning, these two... Uh, share a kiss as they part ways. I was a little mm-hmm. bit concerned by Rebecca's question. Had she had that much to drink? This was, she's like, did we? And he was like, no. And then as she leaves, mm-hmm. he's like, did we? Yes, we <laughs> did. And I was like, oh no, he's going to murder everyone. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird the way they kind of shot this. And I don't think it's certainly meant to be menacing or all, but like the idea that it's, you know, it's more than just them you know, going to bed together. Like to me, this is like more of an emotional one night stand kind of thing where like they don't exchange names. They don't exchange contact information afterwards, which how could they, they don't have phones. This was just more like, I think something that certainly Rebecca wanted and needed is just a companion of somebody that, you know, treats her kind of like the amazing person that she is. Sure. Now you mentioned they couldn't exchange information because they don't have phones. Tom, I know you're not an Apple guy, spoilers, Uh, but what you would know is if you had an Apple 21, uh, not only do they float, but they also come with a sticky notepad that is separate (laughs) from the phone. So if you ever do lose your phone, it comes with a special, it's like a yellow, like picture a square, 
and then it's these yellow pieces of paper that all stick to each other. But when you remove one, it doesn't stick to a lot of other things. Like it's not like gunky. Wow. But then you can write people's phone numbers on them and slap them on your forehead. And then when you find your phone again, you have that number. iPhone 21, now with flotation and sticky notes. Thank you. <laughs> That's wild. Never heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Come out of Samsung. We've got you covered. Tom, before we dive into Beard and 10, I'd like to take about 10 minutes to discuss... <laughs> Do you think we'll meet man again? Murder man boat dude, do you think he will come into the picture again? I don't think so. I think this you was You think this is a, it? Yeah, I think that was it. I think it was just a something that that Rebecca needed. I certainly think from his perspective, like he probably wants to explore that relationship and is probably super bummed, but I don't I don't know if we're going to go back here. Okay. All what right. do you think? I don't know. The fact that they didn't exchange information, even though they had the iPhone 21's yellow pad of paper, I think it's surprising (laughs) that they didn't do that. So I think all signs point to them not seeing each other again. But I'm going to leave my heart open to the romance that maybe this is what the psychic was talking about. Because he does Mm -hmm. have a child, which would mean she would then oh which boo on the show for not answering that question they left the last episode with us wondering what news she got and then they completely like blinded us with everything that happened Mm -hmm. in this episode so we're not still asking that question anyways it'll come back it'll come back yeah no eventually they'll answer all right let's go tom you mentioned we don't have any time to lose let's dive into beard and ted (laughs) where should we eat ted suggests the American restaurant, which is a great yeah, suggestion. Yan- Yankee Doodle Burger Barn. That's my kind of joint. Man, my stepdad, <laughs> every two weekends, uh, other than when he was, we'll just say detained, would take me to the Yankee Doodle Burger Barn. And he'd leave me with the waitress. I don't know where he'd go. And then he'd come back like three hours later, sometimes with a stack of cash and other times <laughs> We would have to leave before the bill was paid. <laughs> Thanks, Pop-Pop. All right. They're going to try something new uh, because Ted's like, listen, I need to get ex- inspired. I need to shake mm-hmm. off these cobwebs. I need to... And and uh, our friend Beard is not excited about Ted wanting to try new things, correct? Oh, no, man. Beard's been waiting for Ted to say this his whole life. He's super excited to... To see what he's, I mean, I don't know. Is he super excited to get Ted on drugs or is he, he wants to show Ted a good time? Okay. Yes. (laughs) And this is a lesson to all you kids out there. Your friends are always excited to get you on drugs. That's why here at the D.A.R.E. program, we caution you to have friends. Try to not have friends because then no one other than your parents can entice you to do drugs. D.A.R.E. (laughs) Don't do drugs with your parents, kids. Uh, drugs are good, apparently, is what the show is telling me. They mm-hmm. change your mind and they remap neuro pathways. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't think Beard's a doctor. Um, but I do like that his vehicle for putting drugs in Ted's body is tea, which seems like the worst vehicle to put drugs in your body, other than obviously a syringe. But yeah. I like the idea that we, we had Rebecca getting the tea that says it's not drugged, and then we have Beard giving him tea that is clearly drugged. Like, uh, it's, it's kind of a funny uh, little bit back and forth. Although we do find at the end that this 
entity that is drugged isn't potent, so it's not going to actually give any side effects. Sure, sure. That was a great opportunity for you to use the term juxtaposition, Tom. Uh, I use it too much. I was trying to hold back, but nope. But you're nope. right. Nope. You have permission to juxtapose anytime you want. I believe is the verb form of that. Uh, Ted hates tea, so don't don't put the drugs in tea, Beard. Come on, he hates tea. This is a runner in the show. And then Beard's lying about like I don't say this enough because I generally think it's implied, but trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Beard immediately drains his tea and Ted does not immediately drain nope. his tea. Uh, mm-hmm. Beard starts to trip. We see him doing the hand thing on <laughs> cushions, which is a TV implication that someone is tripping. Uh, and Ted's like, hey, man, if you want to leave, Beard's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And he's out. <laughs> yep. uh, and this leads to Ted texting Rebecca, I guess. Yeah, and there's like, I mean, a lot of messages back and forth, or not back and forth, but to Ted to her and a lot of gifts and things like that. It was it was kind of interesting, but certainly to me, very much pushing this whole Ted Becca relationship thing. Like Ted is not seemingly not just texting her to hang out; like he's texting her, you know, I, I don't know. Like I feel like he wanted to hang out with Rebecca specifically here, not just kind of as boss. Maybe he wanted. Well, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't think you want your relationship. Oh no, 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 right Tom! Here. Let's follow that thread. What do you think's going on? <laughs> you so you think Ted's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of Rebecca in him, huh? I mean, I again, the internet wants this Ted Becca thing to happen. I still don't know if it probably should happen. I I like their relationship as it stands now. I don't probably want them to get romantic, but I, they're they're still giving us these hints and clues as as many messages as Ted is sending to to Rebecca here. I think these are just friends, friends and coworkers sending each other messages. Yeah. I don't think it has to be more than that. Um, okay. But I appreciate that you blame the internet for what you want to happen, which is Ted Becca. <laughs> this is a great callback. Keely is on the hotel TV, continuing with her crimped hair to tell us about all the lovely places to visit in uh, Amsterdam. Uh, mm-hmm. Ted eventually breaks down and he throws that tea back. And leaves. Mm-hmm. And not yeah, leaves like tea leaves. He leaves the room, <laughs> like as in movement from one place to another. Yes. And it was a good cut how it like kind of went back to both of the drinks and it's kind of half empty, but the kind of whatever is left of the tea is kind of moving a little bit. So kind of shows he had just taken a big swig. It was good. I bet that was hot. That was hot. There's a cut scene <laughs> where he spits it all out, uh, all over the television, <laughs> like fizzy water. <laughs> he immediately leaves this place and goes to a Vincent Van Gogh exhibit. Tom, you've got 30 minutes to tell us all about Vincent Van Gogh. Is uh, he a Dutch painter? And he cut off his ear. I think it's about the extent of my Van Gogh-ness. I don't... Was he the ear guy? Yeah, yeah, he's the ear guy. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Um, he's looking at paintings of sunflowers, which is also the state flower of Kansas. Tom, I'm just realizing why the episode was named Sunflower. <laughs> what a parallel. These guys, these there. writers, they know, they know what they're doing, right? Speaking of knowing what they're doing, this weird museum guy is giving a Van Gogh speech to a dude that's tripping, which, um... <laughs> I don't know what was happening here. What was happening here? 
this was kind of weird, but I think ultimately it was just bringing in somebody to be able to give some of these nuggets of wisdom that play on the greater storyline. Again, we get the idea of Van Gogh having like demons, but searching for beauty, which is very similar to what Higgins was saying for the other jazz player. Uh, but, he, but he gives this line at the end where he says like, when you know you're doing what you're meant to do, you have to try. So, I mean, my assumption is that's like coaching for Ted. Like Ted doesn't think he feels almost like he's a failure at coaching and can't figure this out. So he's just maybe that's what kind of takes him down this rabbit hole of trying to develop a new strategy for the team. But I'm sure you can draw parallels with that that phrase and that saying to, to plenty of other things throughout the show. Sure, sure. He leaves the museum and he goes to the Museum of American Cuisine, um, <laughs> the American restaurant. And this was so much fun. All of the waiters from not America pretending to be American. (laughs) Everyone's saying howdy. Someone's asking for ranch dressing or delivering ranch dressing in the background. He's right at home. All of this was great. (laughs) Yeah. This very much reminded me of like Pulp Fiction where they go to like Jackrabbit Slims where it's just this like very loud, obnoxious kind of music. All the waiters and staff are kind of like dressed up. It was was fun. And it was, yeah, I think definitely what, what Ted needed right here. Exactly. And he's got a rerun of a Chicago Bulls uh, basketball <laughs> game playing in the in front of him and uh, as his pyramid of onion rings is being delivered. And <laughs> he is discussing, I think, with the waiter about how he used to watch basketball games with his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we kind of get a little bit of like a pre-panic attack. Like the music starts to kind of start crescendoing a little bit that you think he's going to have one as he starts remembering his dad. But then I like he jumps back out of it pretty quickly. And then we get some Bulls triangle offense conversation, <laughs> which I think I only know if this is a thing because of the last chance no what was the bulls the jordan documentary oh, they did have a documentary last yeah, dance that's the one the last okay. chance dance i think it was called <laughs> um and also because a pyramid of onion rings is delivered mm. i like how the waitress also calls them freedom fries as opposed to just french fries because it's like american restaurant like we don't refer to them as freedom fries but i thought that was funny but again like the idea of triangles just kind of being everywhere where he makes mention of a pyramid just being triangles you have Chance the Rapper up on the wall wearing his hat, you know, that's his kind of famous hat with the big three on it. The condiments on the table, there's like three of them, the ketchup, mustard, and ranch, I guess, that are all kind of aligned as a triangle. It's kind of funny to just see all these references to it. Oh, man, watching this, I afterwards I've seen triangles everywhere. Um, <laughs> like they point out on the dollar bill in Egypt, all of those things. Let's say if you want to see some triangles, go watch 1899. Oh, man. Yeah. I'd like to watch it sometime. Uh, I heard it's good. Um, They bring out his hometown (laughs) barbecue sauce. Mm, Arthur Bryant's, which actually has been featured on the show before. Like, it's like his laptop background when he's called home, like, to Michelle and to Henry. So it's uh, it's heavily featured, and it is a prominent Kansas City barbecue joint. Is it not one of the things that his son sends, Henry sends in the care package? Um, there's a way where he takes the cap off of this and he tastes it that I have watched Ted Lasso take the cap off and taste a barbecue sauce multiple times in my life. And I don't know why, uh, but he has a method to it for sure. I thought he was going to start swigging it. (laughs) Just pours it on a spoon, takes it like uh, cough syrup. 
Um, he's tripping, right? Well, he's not tripping, but it's kind of like he's tripping. We get this mm-hmm. weird, true spirit of adventure voice that's talking to him. <laughs> I thought I recognized the voice, but the longer I listened to it, I did not. Uh, mm-hmm. We have all the parallels of the triangle stuff. This was trippy, right? This is a show based in the real world, but we've decided that psychics and trippy voices exist. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It's just like taking Ted like out of it. It's, I don't know if they needed to at the very end say that like he wasn't tripping. Like I feel like this maybe cinematically would make more sense if he actually was on some form of, you know, stimulant or whatever that uh, Baird was going to put in his tea. But it was a cool cinematography. How it just pulls his chair back. It gets dark everywhere. We got a spotlight on him. When it starts doing the triangles, you see, you know, the sunflowers get formed in triangles, like the name of the episode. It actually forms a dartboard at one point, which we know Ted is a, a dartboard fiend. It's It was cool. It was a cool little cool sequence. Again, odd and weird, but it was fun. Sure. Sure. Yeah, the fact that he's not tripping, I'm assuming the show concludes with us finding out he has some sort of brain tumor that is pushing on his brain and (laughs) causing this stuff. No? Am I not allowed to conjecture that? Uh, It wasn't in uh, Rebecca's prophecy, so no. That's fair. That's fair. I do appreciate that we get uh, a birthday song sung by the uh, crew or cast of this restaurant uh, talking about like, how World War II was won by America, but the West was liberated thanks to Canada. I thought that was pretty funny. I caught the liberated by Canada part. I didn't catch the World War II was won by America. Yeah. Uh, I, apparently other countries don't sing happy birthday to their patrons, which uh, those of you that don't live here, come visit. Just tell a waiter or waitress it's your birthday. You're bound to get either a free dessert or a song. Or sometimes they give you a shot of tequila and shake you with their (laughs) body parts. But um, don't ask too many questions. I'll let you discover that one on your own. Uh, Ted is like, I don't know, deep in the world of triangles. And he's playing with the condiment bottles as he's writing in this Van Gogh book. And it's Uh very interesting because the staff is all watching. I love, yeah, the staff, he's like, he's, he's like, he has my pen. Like, there's nothing I can do. But then they make mention of, like, their manager, Derek, who apparently they all hate, which is, I think, funny because what isn't the, uh, the Greek Taste restaurant that he goes to? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Derek is also the manager. I thought that was pretty good. That was great. That was great. This <laughs> restaurant apparently does not have a jade, though, which was disappointing. No. All of this was fun. It brings us back to the conclusion where we all meet back on the bus the next day. And Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest surprise here is Coach Beard showing up dressed as a clown speaking Dutch. (laughs) Which, yeah, don't tell Jan, which I thought was a great lie. Like he's trying to keep the the idea of him knowing Dutch. So Jan doesn't talk to him in Dutch, I guess. I don't know. Um, But then eventually comes on the bus wearing this pig nose and dressed like David Bowie. And Ted immediately gets it as Piggy Stardust. Piggy Stardust. So was he in a... (laughs) Uh, David Bowie, David Bowie, David Bowie, we'll go with that. Um, That's when he's on the water. Is that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have gone with the knife maker from the Alamo, but uh, you do yours. That's fine. Um, whew. All right. So he was in a tribute band. We'll find all this out next episode. It doesn't matter. Um, we find out also in the next episode, maybe... Uh, uh, but there's going to be some parental guidance warnings that Will was in a threesome, I guess. Yep, and he has uh, chlamydia. 
<laughs> I thought you were going to make mention of a love triangle, but you went clinical. All right. All grown up now. Um, we find out that Ted's drugs were non-potent. I like that Beard's like, listen, I asked the bus driver, Keith, and he tried them. Yeah. No, no good. Keith said there, are no yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to explain his triangle idea to Beard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he pulls out his Van Gogh book that has just, you know, loads and loads of writings and ideas and concepts about this this triangle deal which i thought was a lot of fun um it, but he's given kind of the heartfelt speech that ted does where he's talking about hey man these guys just need freedom they need to follow their guts and their hearts well that's kind of playing the slow fun music uh, but at the very end like when he shows there's a picture of sunflowers on on the side and on the other side it's kind of the word triangles but it's like slowly morphing in different phrases and it eventually ends with try angels which i don't i don't know what that was supposed to mean but i feel like it was very prominent that they were doing this and i don't know if we have we gotten any like angelic or angel references i don't know what that was trying to tell us well try angels was a uh, anti-drug campaign that rivaled dare <laughs> but came from okay. the religious side where they were like don't do drugs <laughs> try angels <laughs> Um, but then angel dust came out as a drug and that campaign kind of went away. So, um, yeah, darn that PCP gets you every time. Um, I, I, the parallels to 1899, I don't know that I recognize them. Uh, during the show, but since you've pointed it out, all the like madness of the writings and all of the triangle stuff, <laughs> I really do feel like this is obviously the canceled season of 1899, <laughs> uh, and they're answering some questions here. Uh, there's one person on Twitter who I know will be very motivated to find the connection because they're sad that show didn't get renewed, but... Yeah, it's funny. He's explaining all this, and Beard's like, yeah, it was called Total Football. They invented it in Holland in the 70s, so it's fitting mm-hmm. that you came across it in Amsterdam. Uh, and he's like, well, and I, we should I definitely love that, try it. Yeah, and, and Beard's very like supportive here. Like, th- this is a good idea, and this is like probably the first actual contribution Ted has given to football strategy. So um, I, I like what they did, and do you think – like this is going to turn the team around and they're going to start winning games based on this. I feel like how they've set this up, it, it kind of is playing towards that. Like when, when they started this episode with losing, I'm like, okay, here's what's going to happen. They're going to continue losing and it's going to be about just Ted bringing these people together and them being better people and blah, blah, blah. But I almost feel like the storyline may try to revert back to them actually winning the premier league. What do you think? Yeah, no, if sports has taught me anything in the modern era, it's that drugs help you win. So yes, I find that drugs <laughs> will be the solution. Uh, ask Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, um, or uh, Ivan Drago. Uh, drugs <laughs> help them win. So and end the Cold War, or start the Cold War. I don't know. I don't remember. I was rooting for the wrong team. Um, sorry, I went through a USSR phase. Anyways, uh, Rebecca boards the bus. And Jamie and Roy arrive on bikes. <laughs> I like how we get the same homeless guy taking the bikes as like Jamie's getting off. It's great. Yep, he's gonna go sell those <laughs> to someone and make some more money off his stolen bikes. Uh, and then they start singing uh, the Bob Marley song from the beginning. So it's a callback. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we get the three little birds again, and yeah, Rebecca just starts pelting it out. And of course, we get Beard joining in, but because he's donned the costume, he's doing his like David Bowie voice impression, uh, which was really fun. Uh, but I love the end sequence where, again, they start this episode kind of saying how this song is tragic and, you know, Rebecca hates it, but now it's like joyful, and you see the whole crew, everybody on after their amazing adventure through Amsterdam. Um, you know, singing the song and just coming together as a team. And as they kind of slowly pan out, you get all the different kind of character moments. You get a quick little bit where Colin kind of grabs Trent's shoulder, which was beautiful. Got Higgins and Will, um, Will kind of hanging out next to each other. Will's doing now his best uh, air cello or air bass. So it was it was fun and it was a great great episode. I like the way they they finished it here. Sure, sure. And Beards, David Bowie. Voice is not nearly as great as Jermaine Clement's David Bowie voice, but Ooh, that's uh, fantastic. they uh, are on par there. So, fun episode, longer one. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm interested to see, since this was mid-season, where we go. I think you're right. I think we're going to see an uptick on the team. Uh, we've moved past Zava. Uh, mm-hmm. I will be interesting to st- interested to see what they do with Rebecca in terms of, at this point, we've hit all the prophecies, right? I think so. There might be like one or two bits maybe left, but I think we've hit the main ones for sure. Other than you'll be a mother, right? That mm-hmm. I guess that would be the only one that we haven't hit. So, mm-hmm. um, no, interested to see where they go. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Once again, just glad this wasn't a Beard-centric episode. Not that I don't love Beard, <laughs> but that was probably the episode that I liked the least in season two. <laughs> um, but speaking of episodes, next week we will be all together, gathered in this space of your ears, to talk about season three, episode seven of Ted Lasso. And that episode, Tom, is called... I'm not being obtuse, but you're cute. Little triangle puns for you. No, I know why you love puns. No, I, yeah, no, I got it. I got it. A lot, lot more triangle stuff and very punny. Probably a little timey wimey if you think about it too hard, which I will not do. No, good, Tom. I liked it. I certainly was not upset. I'm not upset. Um, but. For those of you that have stuck with us, I know this was a long one. We appreciate you. You can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to take some drugs. Tom, you tell them about the other stuff. <laughs> uh, I'm going to enjoy a nice cold Lionel Coogan, and I'm going to join the rest of the Ted Lasso crew on Twitter and Instagram at teambinge or teambingepodcast. Sure, and if you enjoy this podcast, please hop on uh, any of those places where you can rate and review Apple Podcasts. Their reviews are important. I would like to give a shout-out to the person that said we're a great podcast on mute. Big fan (laughs) of that. Five stars. Uh, Five stars. It was a great review, anyways. Um, I have been Julian. And I have been Tom. Till next time, everybody. Take care.